So as we head into the final week of Makers, I spoke with Felix Hong. Felix is one of the founding members um, of Maker Station and a bunch of other maker-related businesses uh, in Cape Town. And so he speaks essentially to the essence of the maker movement. He's a man who's been a maker his entire life. Um, he's mentioned that he's eight generations deep of makers. And uh, it was really cool to speak with him. He's also doing some other stuff, which is um, super important at the moment. Um, if you go to zamakers.co.za, um, you go to that website, you'll see um, all the information on the maker spaces and most importantly on the project that they're doing with the Red Cross Memorial Hospital, um, where they are designing um, across their network, uh, face shields and other uh, PPE equipment. Um, what's super cool about it is that they're making all that information open source, meaning that if you want to help, if you want to contribute, you or your company can go into that website, see the best ways of doing things and be able to um, contribute in some way to frontline workers' health. So without further ado, here's Felix Holm. Ah, I can hear, hear something. Me? Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Okay. We're breathing. <laughs> I'm still breathing. And 11 your patience, seconds. Your patience levels are <laughs> massive and wonderful, Felix. Thank you. Um, so, so now that we've, now that we've uh, hit the nail on the head, I'm going to jump straight into it. Uh, thanks for joining me no today, worries. Felix. Um, listeners, uh, on the line with me is Felix Holm, uh, who is uh, founder member, a founder member at MakerStation, or uh, are there a few yeah, here? Felix? co-founder at MakerStation, amongst other 500 other things, yeah. Well, I suppose a person who's a maker is probably a maker in all ways, not just things, but businesses and life and, and uh, all sorts. Yeah, serious uh, ADHD. Um. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, let's jump into something like that. That's an interesting statement. Um, is, is ADHD, uh, is you're making a, an outlet for ADHD to help you with that? Is that something that was conscious or just happened? Um, uh, yeah, my, um, my history with making is probably genetic and 10 generations deep. So, um, uh, my, both my, uh, parents, families have got long histories of being, um, uh, artists or artisans of some sort. So mm -hmm. I guess there's some, some, uh, um, a disposition towards uh, tinkering and making and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so is that something that you grew up, up with your it. father or mother, um, your family, um, all busy with stuff as a kid? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, uh, pretty much everybody I grew up with were artists or um, uh, artisans of some sort. Um, the ones that weren't fine artists ended up being... Uh, uh, you know, sort of, you know, uh, machinists or welders or electricians or, uh, you know, um, some artisans. sort of, yeah, yeah. So, and so what, yeah, what hooked you, what hooked you, what was your, what was your first item or your first project, uh, that really, uh, gripped you, if you can think of one? Hell, I think, you know, um, uh, being a Gen X, I guess, as you would call it, we grew up with very little <laughs> tech. So a lot of, sure. a lot of you know, go-karts and tree houses and um, 
wooden machine guns and you know the type of things you could <laughs> knock together with scrap wood and nails and hammers and stuff um, was pretty much a, a big part of of uh, what I can remember we got up to you know um, I grew up in, a, uh, in an area where we had a lot of cousins and family nearby and we had gangs of little boys running around building forts <laughs> and tree houses and stuff so there's and then all the arts and crafts that went with, you know, the creative sort of families and stuff. So this, yeah, there's probably a, a trail of destruction left behind <laughs> <laughs> in my history. So, yeah. as, as young young boys are want to do. Um, yep. So uh, so you, you you decided to transform your actual love of making things into a, a business or businesses. Can, can you tell me a bit about Maker Station and how it came about? Yeah, so um, I've I've worked um, in the creative industries in one form or the other, uh, the other for um, uh, pretty much my whole sort of adult life. Um, studied product design. Um, didn't really like being a CAD jockey that much, so I, and I sort of um, ducked out of traditional product design and CAD work quite early and, and spent a lot of time uh, sort of on the prototyping and model building and that side of the world and furniture and so forth. Also, when, when, when I left um, uh, tech, there was not a, a huge industry out there. There were like two design companies in South Africa. So a lot of the designers sort of made their own um, own way. And I also ended up doing a, quite a lot of work in the craft industry and a lot of work with development projects all over Southern Africa. Sort of job creation type stuff that I could sort of apply my industrial design skills and my crafting skills and stuff and sort of teaching and training people to, to set up small craft businesses and stuff. And in that process, sort of, you know, got wind of this maker thing that was starting to pop up about 10, 15 years ago, sort of the maker movement and people being called makers mm. and, and, and sort of when we were working in development, we, we sort of always looked for tools to apply in that environment and the sort of idea of a shared resource or a space where you can actually a bunch of crafters or artisans or makers or engineers could share a, a workshop and share tools and form some sort of club sort of sounded like a good mm -hmm. idea to apply in a job creation sort of in a rural environment where resources are scarce so i followed the movement for a long time and then uh, i guess yeah probably about eight years ago um my brother moved to Cape Town. Uh, he was working, uh, running a, a sort of a metal shop in a front, uh, blacksmith shop out in Barrydale. Moved back to Cape Town and we started working on projects. And about six years ago, I bullied him into uh, sort of setting up a studio together. Uh, he, he then also started working seriously in, a, in foundry work, sort of running an art foundry. And then I bullied him into like putting a big makerspace next to our studio. Um, partly because we couldn't find any small premises and we could, the, the, the best place we could find was about 700 square meters, which was way for us. Wow. So, so the, the idea was that we'd 
make for two years as an experiment and see if it goes anywhere and run our own business, our own studio. And there's a lot of synergies, you know, because we run a, our own creative studio. We do a lot of manufacturing and prototyping and we run the art foundry and a lot of other sort of mm. short run custom manufacturing projects pretty much across the creative industries, you know, everything from corporate gifting to film props to, you know, the art scene, anything in between. So for us, having a nice big building, so it's a bit of a selfish start to, you know, have a nice big building full of tools. And Um, yeah, and then, yeah, so we started off with the maker station six years ago, and it, uh, it sort of evolved quite a lot. You know, we took a lot of ideas that we thought were best practice from international maker spaces and tried to sort of apply them here. And some worked, some ideas worked, some didn't. Um, we had to sort of invent a little bit of our own way as well around how things operate and what works in our environment. But yeah, that was sort of the start of it. Yeah. What What are some of the best things that have come out of it? I mean, human-wise, you must have made some incredible friendships along the way as well, and helped a lot of people. Yes. Uh, the the I think we last tally we were about at about seven eight hundred people that's moved through the space. It's either worked there, or, um, you know, signed up as members at some. Thing where you can you can check in but you can never leave. So once a member, always a member. <laughs> um, we've we've uh, also we've also had like we've also got close relationship with the Africa Burn and Cape Town Carnival, sort of, uh, uh, and the, the Cape Town film industry and stuff. Where a lot there's a lot of overlap between the communities, obviously. Um, and a lot of the work for people in those in those environments are seasonal, so you end up, uh, you know, having a film season and mm. a festival season and stuff like that. So people migrate as creatives between these industries. So, yeah, we've had a we've had quite a lot of international people coming through the space. We've made a lot of international friends mm. that would come in for big festivals like Africa Burn or. Uh, you know, music festivals, and they've sort of become regulars, you know, guys that would do lighting or set or build things for these festivals, you know, they sort of, they almost became yeah. sort of migrant workers, and the maker spaces are actually sort of quite lacquer spaces to pop into, you know, because it's sort of like, you know, they pretty much just pull in and carry on working, you know, it's, they don't have to really worry about setting up any workshops or finding resources and stuff. So the community is a huge, it's a huge part of actually the big, biggest benefit of the makerspace in my opinion is sort of the community, you know, of locals and internationals. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people that I've been speaking to um, while doing this theme um, are people who have spoken about how making has actually almost been healing for them. Um, it's been something that has benefited them more than just like, coming up with a, a, an item. Um, is that something that resonates with you? Yeah, I think any of these sort of creative processes are sort of quite, um, you know, it's, it's sort of meditative. Spend a bit of time with yourself, 
if you're not poking yourself full of holes with chisels or things, <laughs> soothing. And uh, and uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a sort of it's a, it's a very sort of um, healing process, I think, for a lot of people to also sort of just spend a bit of time putting out something positive most of the time and and getting getting mm. you know the sort of time to think and create and uh, it's is sort of cathartic in a way as well yeah, for a lot of people and yeah i mean so for like i'm sitting at home and i don't have generally the imagination or the history mm. um to look at my space and go oh, i should make something out of that i should do something with this is there something that you can uh, or, or something that you that comes to mind when thinking about people like me who are not inclined that way of something that we could do or something that we that can almost like hook us into the making things uh, movement yeah um you know i think uh, again you know i think there's as many ideas about what makers are as there are spaces and people uh, you know a lot of maker spaces are are sort of quite focused on maybe tech or you know engineering or whatever mm. And um, you know, we've always tried to be quite a broad church in that way. We've we've had people that had uh, workshop spaces or studios with us that were chefs that made, you know, pestos. Or we had musicians that used our space. Uh, we had, you know, literally every handcraft under the sun, from jewelry to you know, hardcore engineers and from you know total electronic geeks to you know carpenters and i think the nice thing about the also the reason i think all these maker spaces have popped up over the years is that um as i say the the sort of manufacturing space is being democratized by all the technology becoming so accessible you know uh, so you know the classic thing is 3d printing that was um quite an industrial process like laser cutting and a lot of the other things and that become desktop but with that also sort of our access to information you know so there's so much information um out there uh in the digital realm you know just on how to almost anything and i think you know we, we as a makerspace we we try to be quite open about what we think of as making you know and it could literally be, I think, mm. you know, I've, I watched a really cool video the other day about a Japanese guy that basically folded a face mask in our origami style out of paper, out of a paper napkin, you know, that is sort of out of basically a paper towel, you know, um, and there's, you know, mm. so, you know, there's so much how to stuff and it is, you know, cooking or you know gardening or you know if we also started a group called the green gorillas in woodstock um there was before the big drought quite a a buzz about like urban gardening and gorilla gardening and setting up there's been quite a few mm -hmm. sort of gorilla gardens set up in woodstock and um sort of community gardens so it's everything across the spectrum for us you know um uh, making, mm -hmm. making, mm -hmm. you can put making in front of everything, and we've took license to, to, to basically <laughs> make music, make food, make garden, 
Mike Che. Yeah, exactly. Mike anything. Make um, love, whatever. It's, so so let's, I think let's it, talk leads, about it, making... it makes it quite open to anybody, basically, in my opinion, that uh, you don't need to be a creative to be a maker, in my opinion. And yeah. I think, like you were saying, somebody like you now sitting in lockdown, you know, got some interests. And there's, there's I think the license is, is open to actually just dive in, you know, and, and even because there's so much mm. good content mm. on how to almost anything out there there's 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 a the barrier of entry is quite low now and you can start as a total novice so it's almost a matter of, of looking at your interest yeah, yeah looking yeah. at your interest and seeing what you yeah. live and what you like and and see what you can do and you don't need space. a big workshop full of fancy tools you you know you can you can start making even something creative out of kitchen towels you know um paper towels you know that's sort of where i was going with it um you can you know you can bridge into making of any type quite easily these days it's it's more just a mindset thing you know it's just like taking some taking a topic and I saw go something, you know? i saw something really interesting online that there uh, a challenge called isolation oh, yeah. chair um hashtag isolation chair and it's uh it's just a series of images that come through every day of people that have made a chair out yeah. of something. It's usually like, and, and the, the simpler the design, the better. Like some people have just made it out yeah. of an apple with yeah, a couple yeah. of slices or uh, some Lay's chips and, and a banana. It's it'd be wonderful to the, see. You know, it just gets the thinking. Um, it's, a, it's the creative process is, is, is three quarters of it. You know, um, uh, there's, there's, there's a couple of very beautiful memes and, and things going around about people sort of um, copying or setting up like uh, masters uh, paintings, you know, um, basically the sort of like, mm, mm, mm. you know, emulating a, a, a Rembrandt or something with whatever they have in their house, you know, and they're trying and try and be as true <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and just doing, doing that is actually also it, part of being creative. And Has this had a, a major, and an, uh, have you found yourself, um, accessing a different part of your creative brain while being in lockdown have you um like created things or seen things or been able to apply your mind uh, in this space or has it just been a bit of a um i, I know <laughs> i think um we're a little bit lucky in in a way um we've 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 been running a you know like one some of the 500 projects we, we tend to settle ourselves with apart from the maker spaces we started a, a, a project building carts for for the informal recyclers, and then when the lockdown started, we started working wow. with Africa Burn on like sanitation for the street people. Um, we we found some hand wash units um, that people were making out of water bottles and stuff, and we started making some versions for yeah. Now so we were sort of we never sort of went into lockdown uh like everybody else um uh, a, a core group at the maker station so we very much quickly jumped into um helping the obs improvement district with with their outreach project and with africa burn and then that sort of rolled into a whole series of builds for that and then that now rolled into working with red cross war memorial children's hospital to work on ppe projects so yeah, we had to sort of pivot both my 
own studio and what we're doing with this big empty building now. Um, so we've we've not really so yeah we've changed what we're doing sort of day to day. Uh, looking now a lot at like things with, that we can do for for um, like uh, the the community and and sort of sanitation side, but also then on the personal protective gear stuff for the frontline workers. And that's sort of a... a, a Tell me more about this, the Red Cross Hospital, uh, Felix, because uh, this is a big project. That yeah, on, yeah. So it? we, um, uh, everywhere in the world, the maker communities have all been either locked down or locked out of their spaces. And, and you basically ended up with this dispersed network of makers. And a lot of them rallied together to start producing PPE or personal protective gear for the frontline workers. So it's pretty much, you know, nurses, doctors, firefighters, emergency workers, anybody in it. And that's an eye exposure. Mm. And it also happened here. So a lot of the maker communities and maker spaces very quickly jumped onto starting to make full personal protective sort of face shields, masks and things like that. 3D printing community mm. was quite quick out of the gate um, uh, because they, they're quite big. And there's a lot of uh, people that run 3D as hobbies. Um, so there's a lot of guys with 3D printers in their garages. And then um, there's a bunch of run bureaus and uh, printer supply and filament supply shops. So these guys got together quite quickly and started um, just copying what's happening internationally, sort of getting files and, and distributing filament and organizing the networks to produce. So there, there was a little bit of momentum early and we also uh, jumped into that. And then we got an inquiry through one of our members whose wife works at the Red Cross Children's Hospital. Uh, she's a pediatrician there saying that they also um, running into shortages and they all they even uh, seeing that they will down the line. And is there anything the community can do? Because everybody is aware that, this, that the maker communities all over the world are actually um, sort of filling the gap. I think the big thing that's happened with this is that the speed at which this virus got to everybody and, and impacted the sort of supply chains and the medical community and stuff happened so quickly that there's a there's a big gap between supply and demand with what government and mm. everybody can actually or industry even could supply so the the maker communities have sort of stepped into that breach a lot and actually started supplying face shields masks people working on ventilators and all the, those things so it got quite noisy quite quickly and we <laughs> then sort of decided that you know, we can't be all things to all people. We can't manage because we actually, at the moment, we've got about three or four members that are working in the space or come in regularly to sort of run the war room, basically, sort of manage um, things a bit. And because we've got this inquiry from Red Cross, we decided that we'll we'll pick one battle. And we they very quickly convened a panel of about 10 of their department heads, professors and, and heads of department of uh, in the hospital. And so we've got a relationship with now where they consult us on their needs. 
they consult us mm-hmm. on uh, so they basically put a list of needs to us and then we try and turn those into briefs for projects and we constantly consult back and forth with them about the designs that come out of the community or that the, the, the core team comes up with so that we sort of get the brief out of the horse's mouth basically mm, and mm, in that mm. relationship what what we've set up now is that uh, the hospital's got a there's a trust affiliated to them the, the children's hospital trust and we set up a crowdfunding campaign to that that the uh, trust man administers so all the funding goes to them and they actually administer the funding and that allows us to just focus on working with the doctors at the hospital get the briefs and their requirements and then as we would need cash to buy materials or subcontract people to produce say a thousand face shields or at the moment we look dividers or bed screens or um, uh, we've also found an app online that somebody developed that actually scans the doctor's face and you can actually then print a little custom fit frame that holds their normal N95 mask tighter to their face it just makes a better seal so there's Mm -hmm. about six projects in hand and another 20 waiting on their wish list but the process basically now is that we're running a crowdfunding campaign the trust administer the fund the hospital is then allowed to make uh, a request to the trust to actually uh, fund the the procurement of uh, PPE gear as they need it and then we help the, 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 the hospital basically in a sort of consultation relationship to fine-tune those designs or there's so much work the rest of the world's a month ahead of us so all the other maps over the world shelved or proven or and then just push it back towards red cross basically so Felix, tell us how can how can our listeners get involved and help you out, and uh, also how can they find the makers uh, or your maker project? So we've we've just registered a, a URL called zamakers.co.za, z-a-m-a-k-e-r-s.co.za, and it's sort of a landing page. So we put the crowdfunding campaigns uh, pages on there um, that point you to back a buddy and, and so forth. There's also some how-to videos. Part of the arrangement that we also have with the hospital is as we get from them, we find those and, and find solutions, either hacking equipment they've got, coming up with new solutions, finding solutions that's already been developed by, by people out there. We then put it, mm. publish mm. it as well as open source. So the idea is that the legwork that we do in consultation with the hospital, hopefully we would filter through a lot of the noise in terms of workable solution for a face shield or a mask, for instance. We then we also then publish that, you that know, and, and make that open source. And uh, hopefully, you know, as we work through our relationship with the hospital 
it's also why we decided to pick one so, so to speak client as a maker space and as a maker community we'll we'll develop systems yeah. of how to how to deal with logistics how do we ship things and get things back the 3d printing community has done a lot of that as well as how do you tap into this community of people that are volunteering time and effort to make things but you still need to get yeah. a thousand little bits of something from all over the city central location the logistics is an issue so there's a lot of moving parts and as we figure out these things and 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 sort of back back up on other other communities experience we we try and put it out there and say well actually we found this works well or this file is good to print or you know here's a how-to yeah. video to yeah. make a hand wash station or whatever so we publish that all on that site that points to uh, you know we've got facebook groups and other other affiliated groups that, that maybe were more specialized in certain things like 3d printing so that's a good place to go and find find somewhere to contribute so yeah obviously any of the any anybody that can't really contribute physically or um you know um there's there's uh, the funding campaign and uh any any funding that goes into that goes uh, straight back to you know, pr producing and developing product for the hospital, um, and then we we also need you know obviously this is not just about making stuff. Um, like I said, logistics is something. Um, uh, a lot of the groups that are making, for instance, shields, three D printing, are now setting up sanitation stations so that once all this stuff has been uh, pulled together in a central location to sanitize it. To a degree before it gets handed out to the frontline workers. Um, so there's lots of little logistics, mm -hmm. even websites and media, um, just like project management. It's actually a multi-problem, and um, it is quite a yeah. you know it's yeah. literally not just about 3D printing a face shield and handing it over there's a lot more behind the scenes that needs to happen. So at the end of the day, the problem is a multi-skilled, multi-industry problem, you know? We literally have people just running around, hounding out and, and looking for materials because there's obviously supply chain issues, you know? So it's, it's, there's many ways people can be involved, you know? It's, 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 it's a bit hard to be specific, actually, yeah. Sure. Well, they can just go to your yeah. website and the people have suggestions. Yeah. They can write to you and say, there's, hey, we can offer you this. links and everything. Uh, yeah. Felix, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the good that you're doing and for sharing. Uh, no, the thank you. Thank with you. Us. It was I great chatting. It. Yeah. Awesome, you too. Man. Have Cheers. a lovely day.